You're listening to The Sister Drill with Danai and Kiveli. Hi everybody and welcome back to The Sister Drill. I'm Kiveli. And I'm Danai. And today's episode is going to be all about fighting. <laughs> Mainly our fights and how we fought when we were younger and whether we're fighting today or one could even say that we're fighting or more disagreeing, a kind of the evolution of our fights, some um, of our, I would say, most uh, tragic fights (laughs) (laughs) Um, and how we now kind of have found a way to deal with it. And I would say fight in a way that's extremely constructive and kind of avoid most fights to start with. So before we get into all of this, I was actually trying to remember. Should we say what we disagreed on? Oh yes, we should. Yes, 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 right, right. Okay, yeah. yeah. First, first, very on topic with the theme. Yes. Um, Let's start with what we disagreed on this week. Okay, so um, my thing is is a bit of a story. I want to get into it just for a minute. Okay. (laughs) So basically, there were two situations this week where we disagreed on. That <laughs> you're looking at me so shocked. I don't remember. <laughs> Where we disagreed on the timing of when to do um, an email oh, slash phone call okay. in order to g- resolve a situation that was there. There were two independent situations. And in both cases, I was on the side of let's do it as fast as possible because they were both a little bit like uncomfortable mm. situation, a bit crucial situations. Mm. And I said, let's get this done as quickly as possible. Let's try to call if we don't reach anybody. Let's write an email or a message or whatever uh-huh. to get it done. And in both situations, I mean, Kiveli is generally on the more in the camp of doing it a bit later or or in general waiting for the phone call like for the discussion rather than the email but in both situations we were then contacted by the other person and the thing that we were scared of let's say had happened because the thing had already happened and we didn't catch them in time no in yesterday as well no, because that situation has not resolved itself yet. And that was actually the one that I wanted to say about... Well, basically, the, 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 but, uh, the main... Just to finish, just to finish okay. this little fight. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a fight. But um, yeah, this is something that we disagree on quite a lot. The it's actually the same thing that I wanted to say. Oh, wow. Just okay. I only had a different situation in mind yeah. that was quite similar. No, basically, the main disagreement comes from the fact that I prefer when there is like a more uncomfortable thing to be asked, maybe because it is something we hadn't communicated before or uh, a kind of urgent situation that has arose unexpectedly, risen unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm usually the, a fan of communicating this on the phone or somehow verbally with a direct connection because I feel that when you talk to people and you, you, know, you have their direct reaction, it's much more natural and I find it also easier to then talk about uncomfortable uh, or as I said like things that are not 100% easy breezy mm-hmm. I kind of find it easier when you have them on the phone you know your the, the, the tone of your voice yeah. also yeah, conveys no, information and emotion and I prefer to maybe wait I don't know 10 12 hours or maybe wait one day to kind of get the chance to do it on the phone rather than kind of directly write a message and do it a bit less personally and kind of risk certain emotions being lost in translation. I, I prefer waiting this 24-hour period but and then calling. But in this situation, the always, whole thing was that we needed to catch that person before someone else did and we didn't. 
Well, but it was still fine. But I'm just saying. I mean, no, yeah, I understand. No, but it it's, it's always no, it but... always kind of it's always kind of a balance. I yeah. just I just prefer to kind of yeah. for like give it a little bit of extra time, hoping to get the phone call, and of course sometimes waiting that time I doesn't under, work I out. I totally understand the phone call thing. Like I think that's a very valid thing. You know that mm-hmm. you say you want to have hear the tone of the voice and everything. Mm-hmm. I just think the problem with the phone call is that more often than not, you don't reach the person. When you call someone, I would say more often than not, they don't pick up. So then you're right where you started. You haven't communicated what no, you want to No, but the person knows you want them. something. Yeah, and but m- more often, very often they don't call back. Yeah, but you can talk. I mean, I would then just write like, hey, can we have a phone call the next day? Right. Specifically. And, yeah, and like yeah. keep it, whatever, mysterious. And to this then have is the point where I'm like, okay, let's get the whole exactly. subject out. And, and yeah. many times, to be honest, I've had the experience that if you ask them for a phone, like, hey, it's urgent. Can we have a phone yeah, yeah, call? Yeah. When are you free tomorrow? Then you do get the phone call. And then... Yeah. In my, I just think that you're actually more comfortable doing it per text than per phone. Depends on the situation. But there are some most things, of the times I actually feel more comfortable doing it on the phone yeah, and yeah. you would prefer writing it out. I mean, it, it really depends on the situation. There are some things where I feel like it's important to have them in writing just because there are agreements and absolutely. then later on, you know, no, I don't want sure, the person but to that be is, able no, 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 to say, absolutely, absolutely. oh, but you but said that on the phone. We, we kind of already in a previous disagreement had <laughs> settled on the fact that you do the phone call first and then you kind of follow confirm up, in confirm in writing, confirm in writing, yeah, yeah. which I totally So get. this is why I find writing is very important. And then depending on the situation, if it's like a bit of a conflict, sometimes I think the phone is better because of exactly mm-hmm. what you said. But sometimes I also feel like it's good to do it in writing because you have the structured form, you can structure your thoughts, especially if it's a bit more complex, you can put all of it in there and it's not going to be this heated mm. discussion. You know, I feel like it's easier to somehow put it all in there in a nice tone without it getting super uncomfortable but it really depends on the situation yeah yeah I just I don't know I think I kind of feel that uh, if you give like if it's something uncomfortable and you give people the chance to kind of mull it over in their heads more and more and more Mm. people tend to get I would say more combative in the time before they reply Mm -hmm. rather than if you talk to them immediately because if you talk to them immediately people are far I would say more reluctant yeah. to be kind of mean or, or somehow unkind to someone's yeah, face yeah. Yeah, I understand. than in writing. Yeah. So that's why I prefer the kind mm-hmm. of face-to-face verbal yeah. Yeah. communication. Anyway. All right. <laughs> okay, so what I was uh, what I was thinking of when I was structuring this episode is that, that I was trying to remember how we used to fight or what we used to fight about when we were really young. And I have to say that I kind of was like blanking or spacing on the way we used to fight up until we were maybe like 7 and 11, 6 and 10, like mm-hmm. these first years. Um, do you remember? So I wanted to ask you, like, do you, what was the relationship like? Because what I kind of remembered was that up until I was four years old and I started playing the piano, you and I had much more distance because you was you were already playing the piano and I yeah. was kind of more hanging out with our nanny or something like that, playing a game and, and you were all kind of doing your, your program that involved practicing and playing the piano and going to concerts. So maybe you as the older one have more memory of those really first mm, years. I mean, the the earliest fights that I remember, I don't know if that's necessarily before 7 and 11 though, um, 
but they are also a bit like, you know, physical in the way that young children mm -hmm. fight in a physical way. I remember some, you know, pulling hair being involved, yes. some like scratching or fingernails mm. in the skin, this yes. type of thing. But, you yeah. know, always in a, a you know. Yeah. still I think totally okay yeah. manner for young girls yeah. 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 but uh, this is what I remember and I remember you know uh, either our mom or our dad pulling us apart being like this is not how we fight girls <laughs> yeah you remember that yeah okay. yeah so because the the first fights that I remember and actually maybe that is an early one actually I just remember it because we have this video recording of mm -hmm. it is generally I would say that my fighting style is more I don't want to put like a negative twist on yours. Mine is more honest and like <laughs> honest. vulnerable mm -hmm. and yours is more keeping your shields up and kind mm. of never letting on if you are hurt or if you are in any mm -hmm. way kind of um, not in insecure about something. So I remember many times that the situation was that we would kind of fight about something or have a disagreement and then I would kind of officially be um, sad about be it. Sad yeah. about it. And I would be like, no, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I'm sad. And I would like go and make a point out of walking by myself, you know, very, very dramatically <laughs> and playing by myself somewhere. And you would always pretend like nothing happened. You would be mm -hmm. like, no, everything is okay. And I'm like, no, nothing is okay. <laughs> and I would be like, like actually you know show my 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 hurt <laughs> and you would be like kind of very pretending to be I assume like very okay with it do you yeah. remember that I mean I know which video you're talking about because yeah. it's like a family home video <laughs> that we have and in that situation I feel like I was pretending in order not to get in trouble because I think that okay. when our dad was saying what happened and you were like oh, and uh, you know Danai fought with me or Danai hurt me or I don't know exactly what I don't you remember said. what it was actually but, I mean I, obviously we we're fighting about like nothing yeah but I feel like I was just like no everything's fine Kireli you know let's let everything's fine just okay. to okay, okay, know, okay, not okay. be in trouble but that is generally it's a bit like I feel if I think about our more uh, our fights before we you know started talking about our disagreements and yeah. maybe reflecting on our respective bad and good habits within fighting I feel like very many times I was I don't know whether we were both equally hurt or not I think I'm definitely the more uh, I would say verbally sensitive, not maybe actually sensitive, but verbally sensitive of us too. And I feel that many times I would kind of, you know, genuinely be distraught and you would just pretend like it didn't touch you. Like it didn't, it didn't really bother but you that much. Are you talking about early fights still? I'm talking, yeah, like, like maybe not five and nine or mm -hmm. something, but I'm talking about fights when we were, you know, like up until you were maybe 13 or 14. Mm -hmm. And what, what were those fights about? About anything, like, w w generally, I just feel like you could switch gears so quickly. I mean, mm -hmm. that's something that you generally have. Yeah, you know? no, like, for sure. We, we would have had this disagreement or something and things would have been said and I would be like, you know, traumatized for about an hour. And you would just like switch gears and I would like, wait, what? You know, like, mm -hmm. hang on. <laughs> I mean, to be very honest, I feel like those fights, especially in that age, like when you were eight and I was 12, for example, for me were more like, I felt like, you know, in a way, like you were my child. I mean, mm -hmm. in a very, if that's not a nice thing to say, mm -hmm. but, you know, I felt like I had that role and, and like I also, I also kind of had to have that role because of the circumstances. So yeah. I feel like when you say I switched gears so quickly, I think it's because I felt in some very abstract way as a parent who was teaching you something. And then it was like, okay, now this is done. 
Now let's mm-hmm. go on with happy life. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I, especially at that age, I didn't feel like, okay, you're hurting me, I'm hurting you, and now we're making up. It was like, okay, this had to happen, and somehow this was my way to, you know, of dealing with it, and now Interesting. let's go on. Because I remember I always used to feel like somehow you were, you were less... Um, affected you were less mm-hmm. affected mm-hmm. by the fight and I felt like wow you know like maybe and I and, it may, and then it kind of made me feel a bit like a drama queen like you know like like okay maybe I'm not allowed like I'm not supposed to be as affected by it. but it's interesting I mean obviously we've spoken about yeah. it a lot so um do you think that either you or me used to get our way more in fights hmm that's a good question I mean really depends on I think the subject Okay, because so in what situations do you feel that I got my way more, for example? Um, I feel like when, it, like when we were away from home mm-hmm. and it was about piano practice. Then I got my way? I feel like you got your way really? more. I feel like, because as we had mentioned already in a previous episode, I was not only in charge of my piano practice, but also in charge of Key Valley's piano practice. This is why I felt like your mom, basically. No, I mean, it's totally clear that you felt like my mom because... Uh, our mom very much instilled in you this this like idea. The, I of was in charge. You were in charge. Yeah, I was and it, it wasn't yeah. just the the piano practice. It was the Everything. brushing the hair, brushing yeah, yeah. the teeth, going to sleep yeah. appropriately. Uh, and and I feel like in those situations when you didn't want to, you just didn't want to. And I mean, <laughs> I I tried many things, like from super crazy things, yeah. to <laughs> yeah, to like you know just trying to like sensibly talk to you mm. um but I feel like when you just didn't want to you just said yeah and this was also kind of always your character you know no yeah. matter what I said like no but then you know you're not gonna play well next week or like you know oh no but this you were just like yeah okay like you didn't interesting care. I have to say that it's I don't think we've actually ever really reminisced about that time yeah. so I'm from the first time for the first time hearing it from your perspective which makes so much sense because from my perspective I think the the main kind of source of the fights back then was that I always tried to see you as an equal mm-hmm. and you always saw me as someone to take care yeah. of and yeah. kind of direct, yeah. which totally understandable. And in these situations, I remember I remember how it felt. I remember you would tell me, especially the things that I didn't uh, that I didn't want to do. I remember you would tell me, Kiveli, let me brush your hair, and I was like, no, but it hurts. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want you to brush my hair. Like, yeah. let me have it that way. Or yeah, you yeah. would say, like, Kiveli, go practice, and, and I'd there be are like, these pictures of you with like super <laughs> unbrushed hair, which shows what the result was of the fight. <laughs> I would like to point out that fast forward like twenty years, and I've now found a way to handle with my hair that does not involve brushing because yeah, no, this hair is not made for brushing I mean, because it hurts when you brush them and it doesn't make any sense. I didn't know that back then. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and you do still actually brush your hair much more than I, not brush you. I comb it. Comb my hair, but when you know, I don't even comb my hair. Pro- I mean, okay, when it's wet, but you comb yeah. your hair significantly when, more often than I do. When it's wet, when I wash it. Okay. <laughs> so I, I remember that. And I have to say, I don't think I've ever, I always, you know, I always tended to see the whole situation very much from, I would say, no one understands me. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. that was ve- very often my 
position when I was, because I was the youngest, you know, and it was like, oh, no one takes me seriously. No one understands me and no one lets me make my own decisions, you know? Mm-hmm. And I always felt like, why would you not let me make my own decisions? But now hearing you say that, you know, you were trying to kind of like you would with a child, like find techniques to make it enjoyable. And I remember those techniques. Yeah. I remember you would try to invent all these like, you know, stories behind it and get in like role play and everything. And, and sometimes it would work. Sometimes, sometimes would I would work. find it so yeah. enjoyable yeah. that I would then be a part of it. And remember, we even had like some of these roles established firmly. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Okay, that is like a little sweet side story. Was do you remember the like your hand character? Oh yes, to make me do my my scale, yes, my scales. Of course, I remember. <laughs> so now you're such a good big sister. Like it's amazing. You were such a good big sister. <laughs> okay, basically, I we. I mean, we still do. When we start practicing every day, we play scales. Now I really enjoy doing it. It kind of makes my fingers wake up. I feel really good. But when I was seven, eight, and nine, and ten uh, years old, I hate, I hate it. I really disliked doing scales. It was boring. It didn't have anything to do with like music. Yeah. It was repetitive. It was the same thing every day. So I kind of that was the part I disliked the most. And um, I remember you kind of invented this character yeah. of the of the scale hand or something and you would kind of hide behind at that point we didn't even have a grand piano it was only an upright we only yeah. had our upright piano and i remember you would kind of go behind the piano and like just have that hand up and like make that like high voice that would kind of interact with me and now we do this thing and now and now maybe try to play it a bit better and now maybe play it one more time and now the right hand and i loved it and i remember i loved it so much that every time i I wanted to do scales. I was like, okay, but only if the knight does yeah, the, hand. Only with the hand. And then every time you would have to do the hand. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was, a, I mean, that was a good one, but I also had some crazy things that, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but the one the where. Voice. The voice. The yeah, voice. Which oh was like the negative side of the hand <laughs> character, which was like, I think you like you weren't doing something that I thought you should do and then I just pretended that like the deep voice took over and I was like you have to do it I remember I remember it of course yeah I, I mean, remember completely it completely well. insane and at the, the beginning you were actually I don't know if you remember in the beginning you were obviously scared and you were like okay okay and at the end of the day I don't know if you like took up all your courage or if you were thinking about it all the time but you came to me and you said then I I know that this voice is like you're pretending. You said like I know that this is not real, and I was like, yeah, okay. It's not real. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I t- t- totally forgotten about that kind of aspect of it, and it's super cool actually to hear from you that it was like out of love from your side because I think it's very easy as the younger sibling and generally to kind of always feel misunderstood because mm-hmm. in a way. You know, there is also some validity to the perspective of why don't you let me make my own mistakes? Yeah, you know, of and, course, yeah, yeah. And 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 I get that in this situation, you kind of felt you were not allowed to let me make my own mistakes, but um, nevertheless, like you know, all these things that you tried, I I, I do remember that I was also sometimes quite exas- exasperating, mm-hmm. like as a person. <laughs> but it was the reason why I was so exasper- exasperating is because. I really always felt like I didn't have the freedom to make my own choices. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're talking about like literally when most children don't have the freedom to make yeah. their own choices, you know? I mean, like literally brushing your teeth, yes or no, 
putting on your pajamas, yes, yes but- or no, because Kiveri liked to sleep in her regular day clothes. <laughs> These kind of choices we're talking about right now. Yeah, basically it was... Washing your face. No, here, here, was, here, here was the main thing. What I disliked is I... And it's something I dislike doing to this day. And the, the, the clothes and the teeth were just metaphors or symbols yeah. for this main thing is I disliked doing something because someone told me I had to do it, you know, like, yeah. like, or, or because it was a habit, like because something, doing something because it is the way most people do it mm-hmm. never was a good enough explanation mm-hmm. to me. So whenever it was something like that, I had to kind of find out for myself why most people yeah. do it that way. You yeah. know, why it makes sense to put on your pajamas before you go to bed <laughs> and not sleep in your clothes because you're more comfortable, you feel safer, you feel, you know, all these things. So, and, and, and with all the things, and I never liked, and I feel like because I was kind of always a very kind of questioning person, mm-hmm. like I would question things a lot. I always wanted... I always wanted the why. Why do why do yeah. we need to do this? Yeah. You know. Also, when I when I played the piano, why should I play it this way? Why practice it that way? Why not do it the other way? Especially if I thought that I knew a better way. Then God help us. <laughs> that I really needed to do it that way. But <laughs> but I remember that if someone wouldn't give me an explanation that was to my satisfaction, which is easy to do with most of these yeah. things, then I felt super frustrated. And I think because I was questioning so many things, it was kind of like a, a, a like. Um, Devil cycle? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, downward spiral. Downward spiral? How is it called in English? Not a, a downward spiral. A downward, yeah. It was kind of a downward spiral because people would then kind of already approach it with people like you or our mom or something would mm-hmm. approach me already with this like frustration of just do it. Yeah, Why yeah, don't you yeah. just do it? And yeah. I get it. I kind of get it. But at mm. the same time, I remember my own perspective. Yeah. And um, I also feel for my younger self. <laughs> no, me too. Me too. I mean, and, and, and I totally understand this, you know, you don't have the space to make your mistakes that is a a big Mm -hmm. a big thing and a big difference between the older and the younger yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, I think both uh perspectives are totally valid and true also Mm -hmm. yeah okay so the other question that I had but you already kind of spoke about it was did we ever get physical yeah, I think when we were young. When we were really young, yeah. but I think quite early on, and I think that's also more of a female thing, I think boys mm-hmm. tend to fight much more in a physical way yeah. and girls are much more manipulative. Yeah. And what you were just saying also with a, uh, you know, with a deep voice mm-hmm. or also like, you know, positively manipulative yeah. with the hand and stuff that we very quickly kind of change to a more psychological geared mm-hmm. yeah. uh, combat style, yeah. I would say. For sure. But it, when we were young, pulling hair and everything was involved. But yes. I think it stopped maybe, like, literally when I was 12 and you were 8, something, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. And, and I also remember that what we tried to do is we would kind of try to outsmart each other mm-hmm. and win fights by kind of being quicker, saying the points quicker. Or I think that's also kind of how I still have my, like, when I, when I have debates or something, I try to imagine every point that the other person could use against my argument mm-hmm. and already kind of like yeah. dismantle it before he or she even says it, you yeah. know? And I remember that we had a very like debating style of fighting, yeah. you know? Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> right. So another thing I would like to ask you, and this is something I was thinking of, and I'm thinking of more and more now, obviously when we rehearse now, is there was a long time that when we used to play duo because we started playing duo when I started playing the piano, yeah. basically. So. I mean, we've been playing duo forever. 
Literally, since yeah. I, like my first concert was with you, yeah. you know, <laughs> old McDonald play, uh, old McDonald has a farm yeah. for four hands. So in <laughs> any case, and there was a time where we were already doing it, like not just in fun little music school concerts, but I would say as professionally as you can do it as mm-hmm. a, you know, uh, a teenager where maybe I was about 13 and you were 17 or I was 12 and you were 16 mm-hmm. where we played and we also played like important concerts together where obviously I was at a different point musically than you were mm-hmm. because at that point it was like literally also technically I was at a different point and I very clearly remember we had this one concert when you were I think you were 16 and I was 12 that was the concert where we played in the um Cologne Philharmonie Mm-hmm. The Flamini in yeah. Cologne, and we played Mozart double concerto with uh, Camerata Bern, and uh, we like we pre- prepared very very well consistently for that, yeah. for that yeah. concert. And I remember we then played this piano concerto or movements from it again yeah. and again over the next few years, also in the Turnhalle in Düsseldorf, mm-hmm. and we kind of had more engagements with that. And I remember. Again, this I remember this feeling of frustration of you always telling me what to do and me being like, no, you know, mm-hmm. don't tell me what to do. I ha- might have a valid opinion as well. And I'm, I'm thinking back now, I can also imagine, you know, with the power of self-reflection and hindsight that maybe you did actually know better. And you were, tr- so how, how did you, or at least sometimes you knew better. How do you remember that I kind mean, what of I remember phase? very distinctly from that concert in Cologne mm-hmm. was that, as you said, we were very well prepared and it was, I mean, kind of obvious that the concert was going to go well with all this preparation mm-hmm. that we had done. Um, but I remember being backstage and you were nervous. Mm. And for and I mean, this was still the time where, you know, either you felt the nerves or you didn't, you know, you yeah, hadn't quite yeah, yeah, learned yeah. to completely combated I mean also for me the same. yeah yeah and I wasn't feeling them so much so I was feeling pretty confident yeah and you were nervous and mm-hmm. I remember that I was nervous for you you were worried I, I was worried for you and I was literally I remember my entire focus in that first movement because then you know I felt like you were so yeah. in it yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in that entire first movement being like okay do everything to make Kiveli feel comfortable, you know, to, I mean, what is something that, you know, you still do, yeah. obviously, when you play yeah, together, yeah. but it was so focused and to the point that, for example, if I was playing a hard passage that after that you play, like, I really made a point to really play it so clearly to give you the feeling of, you know, okay, here's the beat, you know, coming to uh-huh, the beat. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and, um, I, this I remember very well, and I remember being on stage being like, okay, I totally know what you're feeling like, and I have to do something to take this away, you know, to make you feel wow. confident. Wow, wow, wow. And I think in the preparation, obviously, I was all, all kind of also thinking about that, you know, okay, like, I know if the better we prepare the better it's going to be on stage, the more confident we're mm-hmm. going to feel, especially mm-hmm. at that age, preparation is everything. Of course, of um, course. I mean, if I think about how we used to prepare for concerts, yeah. in terms of like time investment, compared to how we prepare now, just because we play so many more concerts. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. I mean, it was literally for about six months, we did only that. If it was a concerto, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was just the thing we did. I remember for this concerto, we even rented a yeah. third piano so we had at that point we had the grand piano we had our old upright piano that was in the you know in a, in in another room so we could practice at the same time and we rented a third piano to have it in the same room yeah. as the grand to practice at the same time yeah 
I have to say I have very, very fond memories from that preparation. Me too. I really loved it. And I loved the concert yeah. as well. Because it was it was something that we looked forward to a lot because at that point playing with orchestra was very much a rare thing. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, I don't know, our fourth or fifth yeah, orchestra like engagement yeah. maximum yeah. or something like that. And and we I loved the piece. And remember it was a challenge and because it wasn't necessarily easy. I mean I you know, I mean it had tons yeah, of stuff in it. I mean, it's a normal yeah. it's yeah. a normal piano concerto and and I was very young. I mean I was twelve years old and was I twelve or was I thirteen? I think you were twelve. Pretty sure. Something like that. Twelve yeah. thirteen. So in any case and I and I remember we, we kind of had this, like, it was, it was, basically what I remember is it was much more fun practicing with you than it was practicing by myself. Yeah, yeah. So it, what, usually what happened is we would practice the first half of the day, like our solo repertoire, and then finally, okay, and now we're going to practice Time the, for Mozart. The, Mozart. <laughs> and also, um, our mom would leave us much more alone when we mm-hmm. practiced this because she trusted you <laughs> to take over. <laughs> Um, so so we would also kind of like have this time for ourselves I really love that I really love this whole experience so okay that that is the one very positive thing but do you also remember situations where you were frustrated and you felt like uh, because I I remember one time you actually telling me kind of under the radar that maybe I should listen to you because I'm four years younger than you and mm-hmm. four years less experienced. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, and I remember taking that very personally and <laughs> negatively. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember specific situations where I was frustrated in that preparation. Mm-hmm. I do remember generally, mm-hmm. like in our duo journey, that there were situations where I was really feeling like either you wanted to, you know, brush through it quickly and not mm. work on it. And I was like, we really need to work on this. And Mm -hmm. that was frustrating for Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. And also sometimes I felt like I had a musical idea and then you were like, yeah, but you know, it's it's not important. And somehow I felt like, you know, I'm saying these very sensible things that Mm -hmm. are obviously Mm -hmm. correct, like nothing super crazy. And why are you not doing it? You know? Right, right, right. I also remember like some epic in hindsight uh, kind of, rehearsal sessions where we would try to like again like the female way of doing it kind of get our fighting points out musically oh yeah yeah. so and and I mean it's ridiculous I mean that is of course you know teenagers puberty kind of trying to pull yourself like I remember like things would be (laughs) like like you know how sometimes you play a note and I play the same notes, so I have to like mm-hmm. take away my finger quicker. Yeah. Or th- and, and or for example, you start a phrase and I end it. But if of course I end it playing the note too loud, your phrase kind of starts uh, sounding unmusical because yeah. you've suddenly got that accent where no accent belongs, like things like that. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. like you know, we would try to kind of ruin the phrase yeah, yeah. of the other person. Or if we or... disagreed on something, like whether it was supposed to be a short, or shortly articulated note or a long one. And then, like if you know, you wanted it your way, I was like totally exaggerating and making making it sound horrible. Absolutely. Or, or <laughs> the one that was in charge of the pedal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All the power, <laughs> the una corda or not, the left, the right pedal, like all of it. It was quite fun. I mean, I would say the, that was the, the period where um, we hadn't really yet become old enough to reflect on how to fight in a way that is yeah. constructive <laughs> yeah. and kind of solution oriented. And the way it would come out, I would say, was usually in this kind of, you know, uh, manipulative way. However, it's I would say it's very important to stress that 
we were always in each other's corner when it was serious. For so sure. So whenever... And- And I just wanted to say also we had a common goal. So like for this whole duo, what was for sure was that we both wanted to be able to play this piece well in concert. So I think that also really helped. It's not that one of us didn't care. Yes, we we had a common goal, we had common challenges. So, I mean, generally also whenever it was towards like uh, the public or to outside, we were always supporting each other as much as possible. And And also I think now that you said uh, towards the public and outside, I feel like when we were fighting and someone walked in on us, we immediately stopped. We pretended that everything was fine. That's true. Yeah. We never were like, oh, Kiveli did that and I did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were always a team on the outside. That's true. So like, no matter what happened, we're like, yeah, Mm -hmm. That's and, and then, then, which like, is I think why everyone thought we never fought. Yeah, like, and then most the door people, closed. We were like, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's totally true. That's true. We were also like, even like towards our mother. Like yeah. even when our mother would come in, we would pretend we we were not fighting. Yeah, and kind of immediately like put that mm, front and yeah. and then like so. So basically, what I was saying, then I was, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. That's true. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah, what I want to talk about now is basically our biggest fight which in my view I mean we can talk about like the climax of that right, like phase yeah. and the pinnacle of our biggest also fight also before a duo concert also before a duo <laughs> concert <laughs> well, I mean we play duo concerts a lot so that's why a lot of it happens <laughs> in that realm but um I want to talk about like the I would say the very important and natural reason why there was this big phase of maybe about two years where mm-hmm. we were not particularly positive towards each other. And I want to talk about it more because I think it's very relevant for also um, our listeners and maybe siblings amongst our listeners that I think it's a necessary step, yeah, especially for close siblings. And that is, of course, that as you guys have already heard, most of the fights kind of had at its root this kind of dysfunction of... Um, you as the older sister trying to tell me what to do and trying to kind of guide me in the right direction and me kind of trying to be as independent as I could and trying to form my own personality and my own kind of uh, values that Mm -hmm. I found important and my own strategies to cope with things in life. Um, And I think with us, it was also kind of made more extreme by the fact that I did idolize you Mm -hmm. in, in a way that maybe was too much. You know, I had put you up on a pedestal that was miles high, you know? <laughs> and and I idolized you in a way that I really tried to emulate your character for a very long time. And I really tried to be who you were, like in, 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 in everything, you know, not just how good you were in school or how well you were practicing, whatever, but I tried to, you know, kind of uh, assimilate to your way of being with boys, of being in a group. Like I thought, okay, you were very extrovert, so I had to be very extrovert, mm-hmm. you know. You were kind of laughing a lot and a very positive person, so I had to laugh a lot and be a positive person. And there came a point when I was about... I would say 21 or something like that. No, a bit older even, 22, 23. So almost actually quite late where I... 23 was when we stopped fighting. Exactly, exactly. So so, so (laughs) actually 21, 22. um, There came a point where basically I remember I was like having these... I I started thinking to myself quite like in a dramatic way, I don't know who I am. Because who I am is who I think you are, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and this point, and of course, I mean, it wasn't that extreme, but in these moments, everything seems like, you know, and kind of my world came crashing down and I thought to myself, this is not okay, you know, like, and, and, and also I continuously also felt 
maybe too much not taken seriously by you not being seen as an equal Mm -hmm. like whenever I would we we would have like conversations or whatever fights or disagreements at that point it was always it would always end up in a way where I would then take a step back and be like okay maybe you know better and you would explain things Mm -hmm. to me Mm -hmm. at least that's how it felt yeah so maybe like explain how you felt before like that fade did you feel that there's some truth to that or was it all in my head or something Mm -hmm. like that well in in that time building up to that before we actually no no actually before because I mean that explosion happened because we had been kind of distancing from each other gradually more and more because what I want to say is that leading up to that explosion what I felt was a, a big like distancing Yeah. Then this is what for me was so strange because mm-hmm. I felt like for however long it was, maybe a year or one and a half years, mm-hmm. I was the only one reaching out. Mm-hmm. I was the only one like asking about things. Mm-hmm. I was the only one wanting to talk. And sometimes I would get replies like days later, yeah. which I know is not the way you reply. <laughs> like no one could fool me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and this is what I found super strange and also I remember having this feeling of being like exhausted like whenever Mm. uh we saw each other and we started talking and I felt this huge wall I was just like this is exhausting and Mm. I'm sure that many things played into that also and for a part of that time I was also pregnant so I was just (laughs) generally probably exhausted yeah but I was just feeling like at that point especially towards the end like I have no energy for this mm-hmm. anymore do you I mean we've spoken about it also but also the two to kind of reconfirm it do you feel that before I kind of you know through this whole phase yeah asserted my independence and yeah. my kind of value as an equal that you did see me as an equal um so wait we're talking about when I was like 24 right something there like 24 yeah. 25. I mean, I think that I no, I think that I didn't completely see you as an mm-hmm. equal because I also think that I was obviously upholding uh, an image <laughs> towards you that um, I wanted you to see me as, mm-hmm. you know. So like, um, I think that I was I was trying to like I had been all my life, you know, be that perfect sister mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. and that already meant that I didn't see you as an equal because right. like I had to be perfect and yeah. you had to be mm. normal, let's yeah. say. You yeah, know? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so no, I think that in a way I didn't see you as an equal, but not in a way that I was belittling you in my head. No, no, no. Not in that way, more in the way that, um, yeah, I don't know how to explain it, but in the way that I wanted to take, you know, a lot on me mm-hmm. Um But also in certain things, I think it came out as in like, look, I know what's best, you know, just trust me with this. Yeah, yeah. And generally, I mean, I think that my wish at that time was what you say that you took a lot on yourself. And I would notice that. I would notice that sometimes you were not 100% happy or secure or safe at the moment. And I would approach you trying to be for the first time the other way around yeah. your protector mm-hmm. and you just wouldn't let that happen like whenever I would get too close or maybe touch a nerve that was true you would then you would I wouldn't say belittle me but you would kind of like play the role of you don't really know what's mm-hmm. happening you know mm-hmm. and I remember at some point that got obviously frustrating and that 
added to my, I would say, necessary step. I think it's always necessary. Whenever you've got people up on pedestals, that's not fair to those people. So you need to, at any at some point, you're going to have to put them down. You know, like that, <laughs> that's with anybody, whether it's a boyfriend, a best friend, a parent, yeah. a, a sibling, that always, or, or even an idol, even like an idol or a mentor. People are human, so it's never good to put them up on pedestals. So the point where at some point I would have had to take you down off that pedestal, was coming this one way or another. Yeah. So um, what ended up happening is with this kind of realization on my part where I, I started understanding that I had never really given myself the chance to examine who I want to be, mm-hmm. you know, but very much who I thought you were and that kind of had become my template of who I needed to be. And as we've even established, it wasn't even who you were, but it was even that perfect image yeah, that you exactly. had, you yeah. felt you had to create for my sake yeah. and for everyone else's yeah. sake. So it was like kind of this really, uh, I would say like... It wasn't realistic. Dissatisfying was situation for me where I was trying to be someone who didn't exist. Yeah, exactly. It was completely unattainable. So um, that was, I would say, the starting point where mm-hmm. I, it wasn't even that I consciously said, okay, now I'm going to have to distance myself. Yeah. But what basically started happening is whenever I would encounter situations where I felt even the slightest bit, you know, not being seen as an equal by you, like in situations where it wasn't even what was happening. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, at that point, of course, this thing had become a huge, uh, building, I would say, like a uh, pressure pot in my head, kind of more and more and more, and um, and I started distancing, distancing myself from you. Yeah. And the the thing was, the more I kind of distanced myself, the more you pretended like it didn't bother you, or the more like you pretended like you didn't need me. That was it, basically. Like you know, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking about the situations where you were pregnant, as as you said, you were pregnant, and there were situations where obviously I could have helped you out. I mean, this is like no, actually, really <laughs> honest admitting, like also bad behavior on, on on my part, definitely. Is also um I could have obviously helped you out, and you asked, and and and, but you never asked me. You know, on the contrary. So basically I was pregnant and I had a toddler. So I was pregnant with my second kid and my first kid was like one year old. And it was, I mean, we had established by then that it was my utmost joy to be, you know, with with, your child and everything. No, I mean, also like maybe... if for someone who doesn't know our life, then it sounds like we really didn't get along. Actually, we still got along pretty well. And I mean, many people, or probably most people, didn't notice anything. But to us... It yeah. was this dramatic. There was like a big, yeah, a big hole for us. This. It was yeah. huge. No, and during this pregnancy, I mean, not generally. I don't even feel generally, but there was this one super busy week. Yeah, and it was like, <laughs> I just say I was at my limits. <laughs> yeah, um, just physically. No, I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> In terms of like no sleep and workload and kid and yeah. just everything. And uh, I, I mean, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I just. In hindsight, remember thinking like, can you just not support me? And can you just not accommodate me? I didn't even ask to, you know, help. I asked to spend time during, in, you know, at the beach it was yeah. during, uh, during a period where I was, where I had to be in, alone, you know, alone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, but the situ- basically the situation was because this is a, 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 like isolated incident, but the feeling that I had is that you would, 
like you would ask me to do something for you, maybe like, hey, can you do this for me? And then whenever I would be like, hey, you know, maybe we can change it a bit. Like, can I come in half an hour? Mm -hmm. I have other plans before, but I can, you know, try to change it a bit. And then your reaction will be, no, I actually don't need you. It's fine. I'm going to ask someone else. Yeah, this and was then my that, passive aggressive And then in that reaction, situation, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, so you don't need me. You know, yeah. obviously I'm not... I mean, obviously that know, was a complete lie. Yeah, And yeah, that was just yeah. my passive aggressive reaction. And because then I felt like, okay, if you don't get it, then just, yeah. you know, don't yeah, yeah, even bother yeah. at all. So basically, I mean... Of the, course, that was stupid. Yeah, I mean, the, clear, the, yeah. the situation was basically <laughs> I had, you know, what I wanted is for you to be vulnerable with me. Something that yeah. I felt had never really happened before. Like I was... Since, you know, since we were kids, yeah. the the dynamic of our relationship was always very much me coming with my problems to you and you helping me solve them and supporting me. Yeah. And I remember also quite early on, you know, maybe quite naively with 13 or 14, I was always telling you, like, you know, you can always come to me with your problems. Like, you know, if I can help you with anything, let me know. And I'm here for you. And, you know, and and, and I always wanted this proximity and this kind of give and take. I mean, and you did help me with many problems, even at that young age. Yeah. You know, we were not talking about, you know, life or death questions, but yeah. many things. But, but I, I just, at that point, I had felt that, you know, it was always a very one-sided yeah. kind of stream of helping. Yeah. And I had... Well, because I was not asking. You, you were exactly, not asking. And, said, yeah. and Although, I just want to say that before that beach incident, there was one instance where, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, where I called you, where something yeah. for me personally, like super shocking mm -hmm. happened and where and I, I wasn't there for was you. totally vulnerable. Yes. And I came out of that meeting and the first person that I called was you. You've told me about that not many times. Not my boyfriend, not my parents, you, because it was, it was just my instinct. I mean, I knew something's wrong. I'm going to call Kivali right now. And it was during the time where things were not going amazingly. Yeah, between that's us. true. And you didn't pick up. I mean, okay, fine, whatever. Uh, then I talked to my boyfriend. and But then I, I was messaging. I was like, call me back, you know. And I think you messaged me like a couple of days later. And I said, can you call me? And, and you yeah. were like, yeah, these days are not so good. I'm with yeah, my yeah, friends. Yeah. And, and I think we talked about it like weeks later. Yeah. yeah. And this was like, this was weird to me. No, I know. I know. This was, I, I, I would say you felt betrayed. And I guess, yes, I, I mean, guess. and this is something I don't think I've ever done to you. No, no. I mean, the, the, and to be honest, at that point, like I didn't, you didn't even I, realize, no, I, I didn't yeah. do it consciously. Yeah. It wasn't like a conscious, you know, oh, now I'm going to make her wait. It yeah, was yeah. nothing you like that. You didn't even know what was happening. I didn't know right? what was yeah. happening. Yeah. And, and and when you knew, you didn't know how serious it was or something like this. No, it was just, I didn't know what was happening. And I was so like, at that point, I was so much already, you know, consumed in this mentality of, I need to, you know, kind of become yeah. independent yeah, and yeah, have yeah. my own independent way that, you know, it I, I didn't even realize how it, what was, you know, the, the, the extent right. of, of the situation yes. until actually years later where you told me yes. that that was really, you know, hurtful to you as a yeah, thing yeah, that yeah, happened. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, I, I've already apologized, but I'm so no, sorry I, mean, I wasn't there for you because, <laughs> I, I, no, I, I realized that it was a very, uh, you know, very intense thing for sure in that situation. Now I would just message you, I'm super vulnerable right now, call me exactly, now. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so now kind I'm of... I'm crying. I would say, I would say, I would say let's uh, now find ourselves, to, uh, we find ourselves now at the scene of our most spectacular fight. <laughs> and then to also kind of say how we got away from it yeah. and why now I feel yeah. like we're at yeah. the best place ever. 
Yeah, so, so the scene was... Sh- should I? Should, you you want to? Sh- I mean, I, we can both talk about okay. it. I mean, I, basically, the general situation is just we had this duo concert in Sweden. We were on a little tour in the south of Sweden. And I think it was the first one, right? It was mm-hmm. the first concert. And we had rehearsed. The rehearsal went like semi-great, I would say. Basically, and, wait, let me, let, me say, let me set it up. Basically, the we had come off of the fact that we hadn't managed to rehearse properly before the new pieces pieces before going to Sweden because uh, I mean this is like you know obviously at this point we're being a bit petty with each other and everything because uh, because Zanai had obviously a kid and another kid on the way at that point whenever we were rehearsing I would always come to your place and it would always be like, I would accommodate whenever you've got time, Mm -hmm. which was totally fine. And that one time I'd said like, hey, it's really difficult for me. Can you come? And you said, no, I cannot come. I'm sorry, I cannot come. And I'm like, I've come every single time. Mm -hmm. And you said, no, I'm sorry, I cannot come. I, you know, then we won't rehearse. And I remember feeling like, Mm-hmm. Okay, so obviously, so, so, and I, I already felt like, but in my of, defense, it wasn't like I was chilling at home. Like I actually couldn't come. You know, no, I, I know, but I and, had rehearsals. And the, I had the situation concerts. is, I actually couldn't really come either. Yeah, like yeah. it would have been so. But I mean, I think it was point, actually impossible for both of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah but come. we at, at this point, I think we would have either you know found a way to a crazy midnight situation, and we yeah. would have one of us would yeah. have been happy to do it, or we'd just been like, hey, you know, it's not possible. Don't worry, it'll be fine. Yeah. But the way this phone call had ended, it was kind of like you know, it was weird. It was weird. Yeah. So then we uh, flew to Sweden. We were rehearsing. We were already, you know, kind of having to rehearse in a very concentrated and focused manner. And the rehearsal was already loaded with, like, you know, <laughs> pressure and, and not that much positivity. I mean, positivity. not pressure for the concert, but, like, pressure against yeah. each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. So, so we were, I mean, we knew that the concert was going to be fine. I think none of us was really worried about the concert. No. It was just that we were so annoyed with each other. Yeah. I mean, the rehearsal was what Kiveli described before with musical nagging all the way. Everything. Everything. And so then we were backstage and it was this final hour before the concert, getting ready. And we got into the the usual discussion. And and you said everything that you also said before, you know, you don't see me as an equal. You always want to teach me something when Mm -hmm. we fight. And I was and I also told you, like, I'm exhausted. I cannot talk about this. And I remember this is what I remember remember most. I said, let's talk about this again um, after, you know, I've given birth, because right now I have no energy for this. I mean, I'm just going to go ahead. You didn't say this. Maybe let's about no, this no, again I mean, not, not, no, no, because Basically, I thought that was pretty intense. No, no, remark. yeah, no, no, absolutely. Not. Basically, I mean, you were. It was in November, I think. Yeah, and you were giving birth in Feb- January. January, February, like yeah. um, exactly. And basically, you told me, I don't want to talk. I, I don't want to have another conversation like this with you. Until you, until I've given birth, and you also said until you've gone to therapy. Oh yeah, that was a, a huge one. So these was these these were like and, and and I remember you told me that and and like you know obviously we'd like kind of hyped each other up and we were kind of now semi using a more passionate volume <laughs> to discuss which, with each other. Which I mean, which we use a passionate volume already in normal conversation. Exactly. <laughs> and and it's and it's not like it, we're not screaming no, to each no, other no, no, like no. In, in an aggressive way. It's just like, you know, it gets I guess it's it's just loaded it's get, up it and heated. Heated and everything. And I'm I'd say the louder of the two of us. For sure. Also like in normal life, not yeah. like also even when we're having also happy talk. loud. Yeah. I'm like happy loud. I'm generally loud, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm working on it. Kind of. So in any case, so um and I remember you you told me this this comment. You said 
Kiveri, I don't want to talk to you again until I've given birth. And then, tuck, 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 tuck. <laughs> Hi, um, we're ready for we're you. We're ready for you. And, and I was like, like, and we looked at each other and it was like, okay, so let's go on stage now. And we did yeah. exchange another word before we went on stage because yeah. there was no time to exchange a word. So basically we just we went just down. Went. And, and this is now the miraculous thing. Yes. Because first of all, the concert went well. And no, I felt the miraculous thing is that we kind of musically you know, that's what I mean. became yeah, yeah. friends again. Exactly. So the, the concert was totally fine. And after that, there were no hard feelings. Well, basically, I can tell you exactly what happened. So basically, I felt during the concert, like, you know, I remember, I don't know how you felt during that concert, but I remember it actually quite well. Yeah. And I remember during the concert feeling like because we had kind of pulled it off, we had... Uh, even though we hadn't had that much time to rehearse, we kind of found a common interpretation very quickly. And, you know, like every time we would breathe together, every time we would kind of follow each other's spontaneity together, it would remind me of this, you know, year-long base mm -hmm. of uh, connection we share. Yeah. And it was kind of like, no, okay, we do still have common ground, obviously. I mean, if we're able to play a concert together, yeah. we must still have common ground. I feel like it's this common goal that we were also saying, yeah. you know, in our childhood fights played such an important role. And it was the same thing because no matter what we said before, we had each other's backs on stage. Yeah. No one wished yeah. for the other one yeah. to look bad on stage. Exactly. exactly. Definitely exactly. not. We've never wished yeah. that for each other. So I feel like this really... I mean, music does connect us. We yeah. are very connected to yeah, music. Yeah. And this really connected us and I remember with every piece that finished and with every bow and then you know going back to the next piece I was feeling calmer and calmer yes and you know how like when we finish a piece and then we bow sometimes we say a funny remark yeah. to the other one whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know something I don't yeah, remember yeah. what but something happened and we said something and yeah, yeah. I somehow felt it was like a release it was again. a release yeah. yeah yeah and going off that stage I felt like you know, yeah. the core of the problem was not resolved. No, absolutely not. But the fight was totally resolved. The, the fight was over. And what also helped was that your, at that point, he was literally one. just one year yeah. old son. And he had just like kind of learned to not really walk very yeah. well. But he was kind of like almost walking, like holding <laughs> one hand. And he had on this panda outfit. Yeah. With, with like he, It had like a hood that had like panda ears on it. And he came and he just like gave his most incredible <laughs> smile. And was just like, I ah, looked at us. And it was just the most... And, I think that melted everything, you know, melted all the ice yeah. that we had in our hearts. An innocent so, child smile. Yes. <laughs> so um, this was, I would say, our most recent and like big fight because it because yeah. it was really about something. You know, it wasn't about like, ah, I want to practice and five minutes less. It had a real problem at its core. Yeah. And how I felt was that, so that was in November. And after that, you know, I would say more distance came generally in the next two, three months, because as I said, as we said, we hadn't resolved anything. Obviously, we know we had a way of communicating with each other that was in a way functional and work, but there was no proximity that much. Mm -hmm. And then, then came on the one fateful day in January, um, it was like Denai's week where we knew that she would give birth to her second son. Yeah. And what happened was that 
I had, I mean, it, it was, it was the most amazing thing because I had stayed with you for a week because it was like, not sure when he would come or I'd stayed with you for a couple of days for some reason. Yeah. I, and I then feel like we were even rehearsing something. Maybe we were rehearsing yeah. something because at that point we still didn't live together. Yeah. So I had my own apartment in Berlin. Because I'm saying that because he came early. He came so early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We couldn't have been expecting him No, before. but I, I was there. Um, I think. Because I, I was there and we were rehearsing and I left your house around maybe nine o'clock in the evening or yeah, something exactly. like that. And, and basically from the hour you left, I started having contractions. You started having like contractions. Like light ones. Yeah. And I remember you were kind of texting me on, on my way back home. You were yeah. like, yeah, I'm having contractions, but we're not really Who sure knows, what's happening. You know, it could take three days. And it took about one hour from your apartment to my apartment. Exactly. Yeah. And I remember that I was home and you said... And it was not planned at all that I would be at your birth. No, th exactly. That's the other thing. It wasn't planned at all. I mean... Because on the, fir the first time I hadn't even been there. there. Yeah. And the second time, I mean, with the state we were in... It was actually nothing that I could imagine exactly. you know, going into it. And also, we hadn't discussed We hadn't it. discussed. On yeah. the contrary, it was more like, you yeah. don't want me there. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And, um, and I don't know what happened, but basically you said, hey, maybe you want to come back... And you said your boyfriend would feel more comfortable <laughs> if you were there. Which I don't know what happened there, or whether we should credit your boyfriend for kind of bringing us back together. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, what happened was so my contractions were getting harder. And um, it was kind of clear that something was going to happen that night. That you were going to give birth. Yeah, exactly. I mean, who knows? But, you know, somehow it was going to start the whole process. And I remember thinking, okay... You know he he's there, but it would be nice to also have you there. Like and then and then I asked him and I said, you know, what do you think if Kiveli would also come? And he was like, yes, great, <laughs> because he's very sensitive. And anyway, he was very happy to also have someone else. Yeah. And then I remember telling him, okay, um, do you want to text her? Like, do you want to tell her, you know, to come? <laughs> so and, and anyway, but did he actually? No, you or, texted no, I, okay. me. No, you just said, but you said that he would like me to be okay. there. You basically yeah. said like, hey, um, he would be more comfortable if you were there. And our mother was staying home with, with the young yeah, one. Well, exactly. The older yeah. one. <laughs> exactly. With, um, so I remember, and obviously, Leila was like, of course, and I'm I coming. remember it was the last. The last, yeah, and the you last were like, train. if I come, I have to, like, you have to tell me now, like, within yeah. two minutes. I remember, yeah, yeah. and I remember I just... you can't make exactly. it. Exactly. So, I, I literally, I just arrived home, and I left immediately, and I came back, and it was... <laughs> Most unnecessary journey <laughs> ever. <laughs> so then, uh, and I remember... You then, came back, and I, I think we were literally waiting for you to go to the to hospital. To go to the hospital, because everything, I mean, he was there within f five hours, literally, yeah, of, it your, was super of the fast. beginning of your And I think if you, if we hadn't been waiting for you, we would have maybe even left really? earlier, but obviously, I mean, yeah. we were... Wait, and wait. I remember, I mean, I, because during your first birth, I was in Mollivos doing the festival. That's why I'd never, ever seen someone obviously go yeah. through contractions. And, yeah. and I remember you were like, and you were there. And I think what clicked, and maybe that was like what clicked inside of me was, it was a quite natural situation <laughs> where quite. I was, <laughs> no, no, I mean, <laughs> I mean, quite, Definitely wasn't artificial. No, no, I mean, naturally where... I was there to support you. Like oh, I had no oh, other okay. role yeah. than to support you. Like that's that that's what I was there for. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I was the vulnerable one. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I remember I was seeing you and you were, you know, and you are very much someone who 
does not show pain <laughs> or discomfort or kind of, you know, any kind of negative Definitely emotion was showing it towards there. the outside uh, <laughs> world. And I remember also in the beginning, like I would see you when you had these contractions, you were kind of just like breathing very deeply and... I immediately understood when it shifted from, you know, you were kind of breathing and it was working for you and you were breathing and it stopped working for you and you're breathing for our benefit. I kind of understood that switch. It went from like you were doing like your really calm face and everything to the second where you were looking down, you were breathing and your whole face were like scrunched up in pain. And I remember that you were like, and I was, and I remember I was sitting like, Tonight it's fine. You can, you know, be loud. It's okay. And you were like, no, no, okay. No, I'm okay. And then you'll be fine again. And like the next, and I remember this like kind of um, when we were in the car towards the hospital. I'm so happy hospital. that you were there. <laughs> and we were like on the way to our hospital. And especially because your boyfriend is such a calm yeah. person and kind of like, you know, keeping it all inside himself. And I was like, I wanted to be the person to say like, you don't have to keep anything. Like this is the time to scream. But, but I have know? to say, I think for me it actually, was helpful, no, I know, I know, you know but to like, like be collected. I know, but it, and, and I, I was just seeing you like these like breaths were basically they weren't even breaths anymore. They were kind of like earth shattering little earthquakes you know within what, your body. What I remember is when we had made it to the hospital and yeah. we were in that birthing room or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And you know, like in between contractions, obviously you feel pretty normal. Yeah. And uh, and you took a you took a picture or something to send it to our parents or yeah, to yeah, our yeah, mom. Yeah. I, I don't know. And I remember for that picture, I was like, you know, posing in a cool yeah, way yeah, like yeah. with a peace sign or something. Yeah. And you were like, Tanai, can you please not pose during your birth? <laughs> like, can, you know, it's okay. Can you please not smile and pose for the photo? <laughs> and what I remember just the, 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 the most was that, <laughs> I love that we're sharing your birthing history here. So in any case, what I remember is that um, in the like last few seconds or like in the last minute, there was a tiny complication because the oh doctors lost... Um, the, your baby's heartbeat. I mean, it was actually not a complication. It was just a typical like hospital situation yeah. where they lost the monitor of the child. So yeah. it, nothing was wrong. No, they just didn't have exactly. the monitor. So basically, anymore. his his head was out. <laughs> but uh, like, no, 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 he, no, no, it no, wasn't. It wasn't out. No, no, it wasn't yeah, out. Yeah, basically, yeah. like it was super close. Yeah. Everything was out, but they had lost the heart. And basically, they said something like, "Okay, if if he doesn't come out with the next two pushes, we're gonna have to yeah, use yeah. the uh, like the suction device." Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I remember I was like looking at them, like, "What are you guys even talking about?" And I was like, and I remember I like went down. I don't know why, but I went. I, re I, I remember it as if it were yesterday. When I was like, "Okay, tonight you're gonna push now twice, super hard. You can." do this like you know we're gonna oh do God. it together I use my and then <laughs> and, and actually that moment because this is like from i mean this is getting so <laughs> so intimate but for me this is what i was most scared about for both births was this end period where they you know uh threaten to cut you open or yeah, do yeah, whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. and this is what i wanted to avoid at yeah. all costs. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and w w when the doctor was like, you know, we're going to have to do this now. Yeah. And I was just like, and I had actually told my boyfriend, yeah. you know, if they start talking about that, just make sure that they don't. You know, yeah. this is yeah, what yeah, I, yeah. I mean. Not realistic. But, yeah, yeah. And I remember looking at him and he was, you know, so confused anyway. He was just like, okay. <laughs> and I was so 
so happy that you were there because I felt like you were somehow the authority in the room. <laughs> I'm almost crying thinking about the situation. It was, and then you were, and I, I remember I was like pushing everything I had to like. And you were like, okay, just do it because you were like, you said like, I remember you said to me, it's not gonna happen. Just do yeah. it. Just push right now. You know, just it's okay. Just do this little thing. Just do just this push. last little thing. Just, just push one. Just yeah. a little push. <laughs> and then the funniest thing was obviously that then with like the second push, he came out like in one whoosh. And I remember, and I said, tonight he's out. And you were like, I know. <laughs> I felt that. Like I am aware that he's out. And I was like, tonight he's out. You're, and I, I just remember I couldn't believe it. Yeah. It was it was amazing. And it was then, incredible. And then he was, and, and that really bonded us. Yeah. And from that point, it was like as if this switch had shifted. Yeah. Literally, like from that point onwards, I remember everything kind of went back in sync. And it still took us six months and then another year to talk about what had happened. Yeah. But kind of, it like shifted instantaneously. Totally. I I think if you're you know, going through such an extreme mm-hmm. situation together, that really is something very special. And I think it's not the, I mean, it is probably common that sisters are there, but it's not, mm. you know, not uh, yeah. the norm. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I think that for us also, because it was like an unmedicated birth okay. that yeah. makes it a bit more extreme. Yeah. Um, I think that f- for us, this was, it, yes. it was a really beautiful thing. And I think actually now thinking about it, the reason was that, I had felt what a big step it was for you to rely on me in that situation. And somehow, like, without even thinking about it consciously, like, something subconsciously clicked that maybe made me feel like you do respect my opinion. <laughs> and, you know, like, you do... I always respected your no, but opinion. But you know what yeah. I mean. Like, on, yeah. on, like, you, in a situation where you could yeah. have not called me, you called yeah. me, you know? Right. And, and, yeah. and I was there for... And you let me be there for you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and then about, I would say, one year later came the first lockdown. So now we're actually very close to our present situation. And I would say during that first lockdown, we had a couple of, like, long conversations. Or, like, also where, 100. Or, like, 100 <laughs> conversations. But, I mean, I, I remember specifically, like, these some that went, like, way late. Yeah. Where we, where we finally you know, caught up what we'd already emotionally kind of changed. And we, we went caught into up. every detail. We went into every detail. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think, like, what came out of that in terms of, like, why, what changed within our relationship? And why is it now so good? I think the fundamental thing that changed is the understanding for the other person's perspective. Mm-hmm. I felt like up to then we very much had our own perspective and felt mm-hmm. like when there was no understanding this unfair, like, why don't you get it? Mm-hmm. And I think that for the first time there, we really fully understood and respected and yeah, mm-hmm. accepted the other person's perspective. Like I fully understand yeah. where you're coming from and you fully understand where mm-hmm. I'm coming from. I think that it's very easy that when you are fighting with someone and that's both on like a micro um, level and a macro level, it's very easy to kind of pretend like the other person wants something completely different than you. Like, you know, they are just following their own uh, goal and that goal is definitely opposite to your own goal. Like Mm. that kind of taking that almost as a truism without really reflecting on it. And most of the times when people argue, it's kind of interesting to see because most of the times the goal is the same. 
And it's just, they argue about how to get to that goal. Yeah. And if people would remember, as we then remember, that we actually had the same goal, which was to, you know, love each other for who we are and respect each other and interact with each other in a way that is harmonious and positive and beneficial for us both, um, that once we reminded um, ourselves of that, then the only question that remained was, okay, with what strategy, with what kind of um, techniques are Mm -hmm. we going to maintain that? Yeah. And I remember I came out of that and two, three things uh, changed for me that were really fundamental. The first thing was that within, of course, those one, two years of more distance, I had answered that question for myself. Like, who am I really? And who am I also apart from you? Yeah. And what parts of the character that I am were kind of fakely assumed from you and which were I, which characteristics were truly who I am. That was very important. So yeah. I felt like I had my own identity truly. Um, I had acquired my own identity. The second thing was that I felt that there was a real shift in how you viewed me. Like you really did stop seeing me as someone to mother And you saw me as an equal, where sometimes I can teach you some things and sometimes you can teach me something. And that was the main difference for me. And I think, on the other hand, what I saw is that all the things that I sometimes felt that made me feel that made me feel misunderstood came out of a place of love and protection mm-hmm. and wanting the best for me. And just the only thing that kind of maybe I hadn't communicated well was that the best for me is also letting me make my own mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that I definitely stopped seeing you as a like substitute daughter <laughs> and um, definitely started seeing you like completely as an equal fully in everything and also very much uh, more asked for your opinion asked for mm-hmm. your advice and asked for help I mean I would say that I asked for help much yes, more often I mean absolutely now. absolutely um And I think that was very important. And, and what I said with like understanding your perspective, like understanding how difficult it was for you to always be protected by me, yeah. you know, that that yeah, yeah, wasn't yeah. always a good thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that that that's definitely what changed for me. And I also feel from my side that somehow you uh, started taking me more seriously or more at face value, not mm-hmm. just because I say it, that's what it is, but actually... Considering, yeah, considering it exactly, yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. So this is like I would say absolutely fully our emotional journey, fighting wise. I think it's also very interesting because the reason why I'm saying it is everyone who's ever heard us in the other room organizing our festival has afterwards come up to us and said like it's so interesting how you guys mm-hmm. organize together and how you guys interact. Most of all, our father, who said that, you know, in in <laughs> kind of the way we reach agreements, it's so funny because he feels like we disagree so many times. And at the end, we're always both super happy with the result. Yeah. And that is true. Yeah, that's true. So I wanted to kind of like, for the end, ask, what are like, what would you say are your top three or five, let's see how, how far we go, tips on finding common ground professionally? Mm-hmm. Um Specifically, like with me, but maybe kind of then yeah. be, to be able to apply that to a more general basis. Yeah. I think number one for me is to trust the other person. I would have said the exact same thing. Yes, yes. because I feel like even when we fundamentally disagree, I never 
would let myself think, and I never think that, you know, your um, argument is stupid or anything mm -hmm. like that. I feel like you have a very valid reason, and I also feel that you think that I have a very exactly. valid reason. And, and to add to that, which means that when we disagree on something, and of course it's like, you know, it's a practical thing. That's yeah. what I'm saying in the festival thing. is yeah. like, you know, should we program this piece exactly. or the other, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, it's, there is a part of me that says, maybe Danai knows better, exactly. you know? Like, exactly. I'm considering yeah. the fact that maybe your idea is better than mine, just as much as I'm considering that my own idea. So it's yeah. basically truly trusting that the other person has valid uh, perspectives. Yeah. And I think kind of what goes also hand in hand with that is to be able to let the other person convince you. You mm -hmm. know how sometimes when you have a discussion, you're at a point where you cannot be convinced because just whatever anyone says, it's no, no, no. But Like one of my favorite... Uh people in the world, Jordan Peterson, <laughs> one of his rules <laughs> is also when you talk to someone, ex like expect that he can tell you something that you don't know. Exactly, exactly. And this is... That's this not verbatim, that's not a quote, but that's the gist of the yeah. rule. <laughs> no, but th this is exactly what I mean, that if, if we have a different idea from the other one, then we are totally ready to be convinced and we if we are convinced we are then never second guessing yeah. or thinking yeah. oh actually I'm unhappy with this result yeah. then we are really agreeing mm -hmm. this is the result so that is already kind of the the second point yeah and I think the result one could all kind of be a third point that whatever you agree on that's that's what I mean no, yeah. that, that is the second point oh, that I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the second point um where whatever like in the end when we decide that we're going to do something it it never subsequently feels like a compromise exactly it was a compromise in the moment yes but subsequently it feels that was the best as yeah the and, best possible result and I feel like as soon as it's been decided on a final yeah. level it's never questioned again. Exactly. We never go back and say, oh, but what if... I wish that we would have gone exactly. with mine or your even, way. Even if something goes wrong with it. Yeah. Even if, you know, maybe objectively speaking, the other thing would have been better. We, as soon as it's decided, we are a team and we work with that. Exactly. We've commonly decided it. There's nothing else to question it. Yeah. And if I think, for example, about this year's festival program, I don't even know exactly who picked yes. out which piece. It's, <laughs> this is our program. This is what we're dealing yeah. with. Yeah. Done. Then the third thing I would say is be willing and able to compromise. Yeah. That is the thing that I find it's so easy with us because we know that if if we are really at opposite ends of one point there is no there is no question that we expect one person to move all the way to the other side mm. we already know okay we're going to find a middle ground how about this how about that like you know it's immediately we're basically we're then only disagreeing about which concessions to make mm -hmm. rather than whether we even want yeah. to make concessions yeah. i think that is so um, so important and of course that ties in also to the second point and then don't view compromises as sacrifices exactly. but view yeah. them as a success yeah. and that is the other thing that is so important and maybe one more thing that comes to my mind is to not take things personally mm -hmm. so if, if there's some kind of disagreement or if someone says so interesting I had exactly the same <laughs> <laughs> yeah if someone says that you know I don't like this idea yeah. it's not doesn't mean you're stupid it doesn't mean mm -hmm. you're not creative it just means this idea doesn't resonate yeah. with me right now Now. And I also feel like we're never offended. You know, we're never mm -hmm. offended when mm -hmm. when we discuss things and when we disagree. It's just okay. This is where yeah. we're starting. This yeah. is our starting point. Yeah. Let's find a, a way 
together. And I think this is, of course, harder if you don't know the person as well as we yes. know each other because yeah. we know that we have our best interests at heart. Mm -hmm. We know that we're not trying to hurt each other, but that mm -hmm. we're trying to do what we think is best. Mm -hmm. So this is, of course, a good place yeah. to start. But I think this is so important because for me personally, when I'm having professional discussions that are a bit harder, mm -hmm. I feel like people get offended so easily. easily. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I agree. And then the, the last point, which is similar to the fourth, but I want to even take it one step further, is we take ourselves very lightly, mm -hmm. which means that on the one hand, we don't get offended. But on the other hand, we constantly make jokes. We immediately also are, you know, self-deprecating when we obviously didn't really do something very well. Or yeah. I know if I have or you have, because it's sometimes also you, have forgotten to write an email. Of course. Sometimes it's you. <laughs> or, or something like that. Um, you know, it's, it's not like, ugh, leave it there. Oh, sorry, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm going to do it now. You know, yeah. so we take ourselves very, very lightly and keep it light during our discussion. Yeah. So, you know, whenever we have an intense thing, someone's going to make a joke and then we're like super, super laughing and then we get back to it. Okay, you know, yeah. those endorphins have rushed through our body and it's always much easier to yeah. then, you know, tackle the challenge again. So that, yeah, I think that's a good, a good list. So wait, let's, 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 let's keep it listy. So the first thing is trust. Trust. Yeah. Trust that the other person has something important to say, something that you might not know. Yeah. The second thing is... Let yourself um, be convinced. No, no. The second thing is the compromise. So the oh, second yeah, thing think, is yeah. um, be willing and able to compromise. And with that goes together and view compromise as a success and not yeah. as something that you have to sacrifice. Yeah. Then the fourth thing is don't th take things personally. Know yeah. that you know, you're trying to do the best uh, for the project. And the last thing is keep it light. Make keep jokes, positive. keep it positive, um, so you're actually enjoying the work. Yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah, it's our little so, manual to fight. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, to finding common ground. And uh, now lastly, let's finish with um, a story about each other. So do you want to start or shall I start? Okay, I can start. Okay. So uh, I thought of a little story about Kiveli that doesn't have anything to do with the fight she had with me, but a fight that she had in kindergarten. <laughs> And I just want to say this from my perspective. So what I remember is that our mother picked me up from school and she kind of had a serious face and she was like tonight something something happened um like something really bad happened with Kiveli and what had happened basically was that Kiveli got into a fight in kindergarten but I, I would like to say I didn't get into lots of fights it no, was kind of an exception I mean I don't I even don't know if you got into a fight or if some kid just randomly did this I mean something happened no some, I remember that fight I remember okay. the fight <laughs> so the end of the fight was that Kiveli was hurled <laughs> into a nail that was sticking out I mean also a very strange thing in kindergarten to be sticking out from some piece of wood because they were building something or constructing something and it was in her not in her I mean above her eye above her eyebrow here. yeah yeah I mean just for yeah, the people yeah. only above listening. the eyebrow above the eyebrow it was stuck in the face <laughs> and so the kindergarten teacher I remember said yeah you know everything's fine it was not stitched but stuck Yeah, it together. was uh, glued, glued together. Glued yeah. together. Mm -hmm. And I mean, now you don't see anything, no. basically. But of course, it sounded like a horror story. And our mom was, I think, on the inside, very worried, but on the outside, 
very calm and collected. I mean, she really shines in times of crisis. Yeah. And um, yeah, and she, I remember she actually prepared me. She was like, Dana, you know, don't worry. Everything's totally fine. Kiveli's totally fine. She might look a bit strange above the eye. Don't worry about it at all. <laughs> It's going to be totally fine. I remember then seeing you and I remember you were so proud. <laughs> I just remember, you know, after all this preparation of, you know, Kiveli could be a bit weird, she could be a bit tired or whatever. Kiveli was like, oh my God, this happened. And then the doctor glued me and it was so cool. And this, and like, you were loving it, basically. <laughs> so yeah, that was my little story. I mean, from, from, from the fight perspective, I remember basically that someone was teasing me and I was teasing them back oh, like okay. it, it, it was like a teasing thing and I was we're teasing each other and I do remember that I had also kind of like pushed them but like you know as I said I was not a very physical yeah. fight fight person generally yeah. so it was maybe it, it definitely wasn't like a big thing but what had happened was that basically he took my sleeve and I took the hand out of the sleeve thinking that if I took it out ah, he couldn't yeah, you know yeah, yeah. touch me in a way <laughs> And then, like, you know, I also without wanting it, yeah, yeah. he kind of, like, you know, uh, let go of the sleeve. And I, like, totally lost balance. And I remember even seeing the nail before it God. hit me. And, and, you know, it's one of these things where things go in slow motion. Mm -hmm. And I really, I, what I don't remember is the pain. I don't remember the pain at all. I don't even remember uh, fear or the... sadness or anything. I remember immediately the, the next scene I remember is the doctor telling me he's going to glue it together and me being fascinated by the fact that you're able to glue skin together. <laughs> that is basically what I remember. So um, my story is also, I think, one story that illustrates the extent of Denai's discipline and conscientiousness on levels unknown to most teenagers. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. <laughs> Oh Levels are known to, I would say, normal young people across the globe. <laughs> so we were, because our dad lived in America for many years, so we would visit him in America every, every year. And our dad lived in San Diego, which is close to Los Angeles, where many times premieres happen or meet and greets happen or generally just Hollywood stars live. So that was at the time where I was probably about 12 or 13 and you were yeah. 16, 17. And Harry Potter was huge. And my first celebrity crush was Daniel Radcliffe. Like, I was obsessed with Daniel Radcliffe. I was obsessed with Harry Potter, but at that point, it was very difficult to separate Harry Potter from Daniel Radcliffe. Like, to the point where I was even thinking of sending him letters and things like that. Love it. So, we were in San Diego, which is two hours by car from Los Angeles, and um, we were... There was a and, premiere and, happening. And I found out that there was a premiere happening of, like, I don't know which one, the fifth, the sixth, the yeah. not the seventh, but, like, there was a premiere happening, and he was going to be there. So I had kind of almost convinced my dad to drive me there or like kind of combine it with like an L.A. trip, going shopping or something. And we hadn't practiced that day yet. <laughs> Now we're talking about when I say we had we practiced every day. So missing one day of practice wasn't like a big thing. It was literally missing one day of playing scales and etudes and practicing one movement of the piece we were, you know, learning at that time. So I was telling Denai, Denai, let's go to LA. Daniel, right? we might see him. You know, at that point, I was imagining that just being in LA was a guarantee of meeting him, you know? So basically, I was like, we might see him. And then I looked at me like, Kiveli, come on, be reasonable. And then she just looked at me like with this like sense of, now I'm going to give you the comment. Like, 
do you want to go and see Daniel Radcliffe or do you want to practice one more hour? <laughs> and I looked at her like, I want to go see Daniel Radcliffe, hello. And she looked at me like, as if I was from another universe, like, obviously, between the choice of meeting your celebrity crush and getting one more scale in, you're going to choose the scale, obviously. For me, I mean, uh, for me, I was baffled when this little <laughs> I know. method, because I thought that this was really a killer argument. <laughs> I, I really, I was just like, look, do you want to practice or do you seriously want to go see Daniel Radcliffe? Like, what are you going to do? You're not going to practice to see Daniel Radcliffe in Hollywood? <laughs> And, and I thought that your answer was going to be, yeah, of course. I work <laughs> And when you were like, well, actually, I, I want to see that you're active. I was just like, I was what? so like, what do I say now? <laughs> I mean, if that didn't work, what else is going to work? Anyway, it's one of my favorite stories about you because you were like, you thought that you just like, you just won. You know, you were like, obviously you're going to practice, right? And I was, and I thought like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe, like my love affair with Daniel Radcliffe it could be starting in three hours, okay? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, good Anyways. times. Yes, very good times. So um, <laughs> that concludes today's episode. Yes. And, and the next episode is going to be about our musical journey. So today we actually already talked a little bit about some piano some things, stories. But, but I think that, you know, we've never really very, very openly spoken about like the emotional side yes. of our musical journey and how it felt to be super young, playing concerts very early. Um, Basically everything connected to piano, to the, the performing pressure with the, with the audience, but also what it was like for us to have this in our lives. So... Definitely tune in next week. And sending lots of love to all of you. And see you next week. Bye. Bye. You're listening to The Sister Trill with Danai and Kibeli.